It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so glad you're here. Happy spring break. If those of you uh, who have kids in the school districts are on spring break this week, hope you're getting a little bit of rest and relaxation. Uh, today is a very special episode because we're starting a monthly segment on the Mom Show called The State of Women in Utah. And I'm so excited about this reoccurring segment because these are conversations that we need to be having in Utah. We struggle in some areas uh, with gender equality in this state, and then we do okay in other areas. So we're going to have all these conversations over the course of the next little while. So my reoccurring guest joining me now Dr. Susan Madsen with the Utah Women in Leadership Project at the at Utah State University, and Emily Bell McCormick is with the Policy Project. They're a group that works on uh, helping further uh, legislation that helps women and families in the state. Ladies, thank you for joining me today. So our conversation today is going to center around the language we use to talk about women and women's quote-unquote roles and the things women do. I have a couple of terminology things that bother me, and I don't even know if I have solutions for them, so I'm just going to complain about them and let you guys give me the solutions for them. It bothers me that we call women who work outside the home working moms, like you're either a working working mom or a stay-at-home mom or a mom who works part-time. You have all these titles, right? And you kind of have to like classify yourself in one of these categories. But we don't use that terminology for men. There is no such thing as a working dad. And that's what frustrates me is that moms and women have to kind of like be all these things and have all these titles and you have to fall in one of these groups. And then it kind of lends itself to that women who stay home aren't working, right? Like it devalues the work that they do at home. So I think that's one area where I want the language to shift. I'd love your suggestions on what we should shift it to. Yeah, Lindsay, I think, um, you know, it's such an interesting point because we do this with several things in our language. I mean, working mom is one of them, but there are also some modern, like kind of fun um, types of words like she boss or mom mompreneur, you know, like entrepreneur, but for a mom, um, and CEO, like I've heard a lot of these floating around and in theory, they're kind of fun and they're poppy and they're kind of like, yeah, you own it girl, you know, that kind of a feeling to it. But in reality, what it's saying is a boss isn't, is, isn't a gender term, right? Boss is gender neutral. In fact, we're lucky in English because a lot of languages, French, Spanish, you know, a lot of other languages have um, gendered, their language is gendered. So everything is either masculine or feminine. Um, Here, we don't have that, which is kind of nice, I think, because it gives us a little bit less of a battle in my head, at least, (laughs) that we have to fight. But I think the reason that that's tough to handle is because it makes the assumption that, um, that masculine is the ideal, right? Like the masculine version of I work outside of the home. Of course you work outside of the home if you're a man. You know, we make the assumption that like, well, of course a man does that. Your husband isn't going and saying that he does that. You know, my husband isn't saying that. 
I say that, you say that. Dr. Madsen probably says that, you know, we, we do that. So I think um, it's having an awareness to that and, and just being aware of that helps us change it. Because if we start, we, I think one of the things we want to avoid in our generation at this time is to put genders on certain things. Like we said, I mean, you'll hear often, even still in the news, things like um, the woman attorney or the, you know, the woman doctor who is working on this case, da, da, da. Like they would never use those qualifiers, you know? And it does happen to men to some degree. I mean, we hear male nurse, um, you know, on, on some of those like otherwise traditionally feminine roles, if you will. Um, but I think, I think what we have to do is make sure that we don't normalize those terms and that we stop them because language is, it is such a fascinating thing. We don't learn it in school, right? We learn grammar in school, but we don't learn language. Language is totally organic. You learn it growing up. There are certain assumptions about language. You know, we, we think about words in a certain way and we assume that that's the norm for everyone, right? But the landscape and, and history of language has so much to do with it. And when you think about how English came about and who actually ended up writing down the grammar laws, writing down the rules, you're really talking about a history of, of people in power, which historically would be men, right? Men in wars, they're writing these histories. Um, men who own businesses, printing presses, now leaders in technology. Like these are the people that write the rules, you know, with the language that we use. And so I'm so glad we're talking about it just because I think that there needs to be more awareness around it. And there's a lot of hesitation right now. I know that cancel culture is a big buzzword out there and people are worried about, oh, I just can't say anything. I don't think that that's what we're talking about today. We're not talking about trying to cancel what other people are saying. We're trying, we're talking about, hey, let's raise some awareness. Like there are things that we're probably saying that I, that I say, and I mean it as a compliment. Lindsay, you are a girl boss. You are amazing, you know, but I also don't want to go down that path because it will mean something else for the next generation. So, so just having the awareness that that is something out there is an important thing. Yeah. And, and like I was saying, I don't even necessarily know what I want it to switch to, but the fact that I'm conscious of it and I'm like, huh, I don't call my husband a working dad, but like we're, we both work outside the home. So we're both working people, right? Dr. Susan Madsen, uh, I want to bring you in on this conversation. What are your thoughts here? Oh, there's so many thoughts and there's so much research around various elements. First of all, we do have a study that will be coming out in upcoming months where we collected just sexist comments. And some of the things that we're seeing, huge numbers, by the way, some of the things that we're seeing are really looked at as sexist to women but oftentimes other women or men probably just don't even realize. I mean, obviously some sexist comments are really meant to, to be that. But it's interesting that that there's just terms that we use that that we don't look at. We just don't consider. And one of those, this is a little bit of a different direction, but but Emily just said something about girl boss. So it made me think just the use of girl for a woman is, and I need to write an editorial on this and a Forbes piece on this, but it's been for a couple of years in the back of my mind, but it hasn't taken a front stage. So what is very common is uh, there's a girl at work. I mean, we all use it. And, and I've had to work in the last probably 15 years to stop using that term because really girl is 12 and younger. 
That's what a girl is. So young woman, a teenager, a woman, but we say that girl at work or there's another girl here or there. Sometimes we just call ourselves girls. But what the research really does show is that even if it's not conscious, that language, if we use it ourselves, really takes us down a notch. And when other people do it in, in a church setting, let's, um, I finally had to say something. This was like five, I was working with five or 10 years ago. I can't even remember now. I was working with some single young adults in a calling that I had for my church. And they were constantly saying the brethren and the girls. And I'm like, okay, you're not girls. Finally, I had to point that out. But this whole language of girls is really, really something that we need to look at. And, and I back to your direct question, um, Lindsay, I don't know if I have the answer. But let me tell you, I, I am, I try, I'm not perfect. But I try in my writing and my speaking to always say, um, working for pay. And I don't even say outside the home. And I, I haven't for years because I've worked for pay in the home a lot, you know, because I'm a telecommuter or teleworker and now remote worker. And so, but work for pay because we are working as women all the time. That that's second the shift. That's the answer, Susan. Women yeah. who work for pay. That's it. That's, that's what I would it. like the language oh, to shift good. to. Yes. Uh, yeah, but we we want to acknowledge. I mean, working working full time and having a, a whole bunch of kids at home when you're when you're not working for pay is a lot of work, and we need to value that. We need to value women that do that. I've done that. You've probably done that. Where I've worked part time or for a few years didn't work for pay at all, and then realized I needed to get my mind moving again. <laughs> Wasn't so happy just doing that full time. So I've done the mix through the years. Um, but it really is a little bit of a dig. I, or I don't know if that's the term when you say, oh, working women or this and that, because all women are working. I know very yes. few people that are not working at all, you know? Yes, um, it is so, so important. Dr. Susan Madsen with the Utah Women and Leadership Project and Emily Bell McCormick from the Policy Project are joining me now. It's the State of Women in Utah, our monthly episode where we discuss some of the issues specifically pertaining to women in Utah. We'll take a break. More on this topic when we come back on The Mom Show. You've joined The Mom Show. Being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. Every month we do an episode called The State of Women in Utah. And uh, my two guests who joined me for that segment are Dr. Susan Madsen with the Utah Women and Leadership Project. Dr. Madsen does a ton of research with her team at Utah State University on literally the state of women in Utah and they research different uh, topics and how women are impacted by different things in Utah. So she knows everything uh, that women are dealing with here in the state. And then Emily Bell McCormick with the Policy Project to advocate for certain legislation um, to help women and families in the state of Utah. So ladies, thank you both for joining me today. We're having this conversation about language and some of the language that we use 
as women, as moms, to describe our different circumstances. And there are some things we think that need to change. The one I brought up last segment was working mom. I don't like that title because there's no such thing as a working dad. So uh, Susan gave me the great suggestion to change it to women who work for pay because all women work, especially if you stay home, you're definitely working. Uh, And even working outside the home is kind of pejorative a little bit, right? Or demeaning, I guess I should say. Um, So women who work for pay, I like that. I'm going to switch my language to that. Um, Another one that uh, you guys brought up to me was the issue of using women versus girls. Dr. Madsen, talk to me about why that's a problem for you. Well, it is because I I just know the research, first of all. I was corrected on it myself from a scholar about 15 years ago. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Then I started paying attention. When you start paying attention, you can, you can see the differences, but the research does support the fact that we do, it is more of a demeaning thing if we're women and we're being called girls. So my rule of thumb, this is what I give when we talk about this topic, is if in the same setting, you really will be using, you know, even if they're a little older, like my daughter played soccer in high school. So they call each other the girls soccer team and the boys soccer team. So so when you say when you really in that situation will use the word boys and girls at the same time, then that's when you you can think, yeah, that works for this situation. But other times, uh, if you're saying the men, I've heard it. I have absolutely heard. Let's have the men and the girls come. Let's do this with the with the men and, you know, and, and that's just inappropriate. And for women themselves, we need to call each other women or ladies or people like different terms, right? Sometimes people have the term with guys and they think guys is the same. If, if you say guys to boy, to men, then you can say girls to women. And those are not equivalent. Boys and girls are equivalent. Guys and gals are equivalent. Ladies and gentlemen are equivalent. But I would, I would never women. say, hey, gals. Like I, that's I know, not a word I would use. Very, yeah. We don't use that very much. Uh, but, but it matters. The language matters. Some of it's subtle, but it really does matter. There's so many examples of gender language. <laughs> Emily, let me bring you in on this conversation. Give me your thoughts on this before we wrap up, and then we'll talk about it more in the next segment. Yeah, this I mean, I, the women and girls thing is an ongoing debate at our house. I think I realized about 10, maybe 15 years ago, gosh, this feels kind of weird that I'm using this term girls. And we did it all the time. And actually, it got to the point where I made a personal decision to use the word women, like, hey, or ladies, hey, ladies, let's meet for lunch or something like that. Um, and there was a lot of social pressure on me as a woman with peers my age, you know, 30s, 40s, and uh, to use the word girls instead of women. So I had this funny experience at Christmas time. I have this favorite movie, White Christmas. It's an old movie. And I wondered like how far, like when did girls take hold? Because we say guys, we say men, when did this take hold? And in this movie, it has, you know, the main character who's like 50, I think in the movie is supposed to be 30, but he's much older than that. Um, speaking to women who are sh- showgirls, you know, uh, kind of like dancers, background dancers, um, it's about a performance and, and speaking to them and saying, 
girls, let's get together, girls, 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 all the time. So I'm thinking, man, this has been around since like the 50s, probably before that, you know, that we have said girls. So we have got a lot of history to break with that. And even my husband, who's very thoughtful about these issues, I mean, he has to be right. There's no room to not be in this house. But even with that, I can see at work, he kind of hesitates to say women to the women he works with instead of girls, because it actually right now, is not the socially acceptable thing to say. It's socially acceptable to say girls, but we just need to make that shift in our own minds and decide for ourselves that we're going to make that change. And then people kind of get used to it yeah. and we'll probably eventually adopt it. Yeah. And really important just to be conscious of it. That's the first step in this whole process is to be like, huh, I wonder why you're not bad. If you use that language, it's okay. We've all done it. Like just, huh, I wonder why I use that language. And then change it if you want to. We're coming from a whole socialized, I mean, from the time we're born, we're hearing the language, we're seeing it, everybody's using it. So it is, as Emily said, take a, you have to be thoughtful, even as women, we have to be thoughtful, and and men as well. Um, but we need to be thoughtful in raising our kids. Yeah. And it's not just like men saying this to us, it's women using this language amongst themselves, which is important to shift the messaging as well. So really important. Dr. Susan Matson with the Utah Women and Leadership Project, Emily Bell McCormick with the Policy Project. We'll take a break. I've got more things that bug me when we come back on The Mom Show. It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into the mom show today. Thank you for joining us. We're having a conversation today about the language that we use as women. Uh, let me tell you why we're talking about this. Every month I do a segment called the state of women in Utah and I bring on a researcher and a policy advocate and we talk about uh, different issues that are impacting women in the state of Utah. And this is one that's been bothering me for a while. And I don't think this is Utah specific. I think we do this in other parts of the country, but um, I definitely notice it here a lot. So the language that we use is is really important. And so we've talked about some of these things that bother me. One is the term working mom, because frankly, there's no such thing as a working dad. And we think we should switch that to women who work for pay. We've talked about using the term woman in, or women instead of girls when we describe a group of women older than teenagers, right? Girls are younger than 12. Everyone older than that are women or do we call them teenagers? I call, I say girls, young women and women. Okay. Girls, young that's women young and women. women. Yeah, that that's important. Okay, perfect. And then another situation that I've experienced personally is when we're in a group setting and say we're at a party pre-COVID, right? And uh, I get introduced to a group that maybe my husband knows or something and all the wives are there. And then um, uh, someone goes around and just says, what do you do? And they ask my husband, what do you do? And they ask the men in the group, what do you do? And they never ask me what I do. 
And I, that really bothers me. <laughs> and it's not that I need to brag about myself or tell them what I do. It's the fact that they assume that women don't work or they just assume I am a stay-at-home mom because I'm a woman. And that, that really irks me. So I make a conscious effort when I'm in a new group of people and there are both men and women there, not only to ask the men what they do, but literally I say to the women, what do you do? And then they can tell me, if they stay home with their kids, that's fine. I have no, that's not the issue here. But I really make sure to address the women in the group and ask them what they do. Thoughts on this topic? Has this happened to you? I have a lot of thoughts on this topic because there's so much research out there. Um, just when you talked about being at a party or whatever and thinking about, you know, how, how you talk, well, the research is quite clear and there's some fascinating research in a couple areas, but let me tell you about the physician, the doctor research that is super common to actually have a group of doctors, maybe the last one was a woman and you're doing introductions, someone's doing introductions and you say, here is Dr. Jones, Dr. Smith, Dr. McCormick, and Julie. And Julie is actually a doctor as well. And that actually is quite common, you know, doctor this or, or using just terms that are more formal. And then when you get to the woman, you just use, you know, a, a different term. So the other thing I want to just plug in that one, and we, and we know from different studies that that absolutely happens constantly. But the other one, and this one's a little bit off, but I, I think you'll understand this. But we from the start with our girls, and I am struggling with this with my two-year-old granddaughter. Every time I look at her, I'm thinking, oh, she's so cute. And I keep saying that. But using the words to describe looks is yes. so, is so, bad in the long term to do that. So this is what I was, I was thinking back to your comment about the party. So my husband, men, often when they say, here's my, what do they say? Beautiful wife. The first word is looks. So I've got my tr husband trained that he can use three words. The third one is beautiful and he needs to say that. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, what? my husband has never described me as his beautiful wife. Oh, I've never many, had that happen. But I, I say, you know, like smart, you know, use some other words that because it's so common. So smart or or energetic or whatever. But trying to shift that language, and it's funny because I've been in formal settings where I have to introduce my husband, and I say, here's my handsome <laughs> Right, <laughs> and it right sounds weird, right? We're like, oh, we don't describe men like that. Yeah. That's so interesting. And Dr. Madsen and Emily, you can weigh in on this too. How important is the title yeah. situation, right? Because I do think I've been in that situation before where it's Dr. Jones, Dr. Uh, Smith and Julie, how, how you, you're a doctor, you have that title. How important is that to you? Well, I, a lot of people know me in Utah and everybody calls me Dr. Manson. So, so it's interesting. My husband though, is in his dissertation and he is, he's, we're older, but I asked him the other day, you know, do you want to be called Dr. 
Madsen, you know, and he's like, oh, no, I'm too old for that. But, you know, it really matters what the and and the great thing is when I'm presenting or on a panel, people ask me most of the time, you know, do you how do you want to be called? And it really matters the situation. Sometimes if it's if everybody else is being called by their first name, you know, they can introduce me as Dr. Madsen at the end. But but uh, if they really for the audience, when I'm speaking, want to emphasize that maybe I do have some some I know my research, I know those things, then then um, then I think Dr. Matt, it matters the situation. Yeah. And, uh, but I call that up sometimes if if I'm the only one that has a doctorate degree and they're calling me Dr. Madsen. Um, I say, you know, you can call me Susan, but sometimes if I'm the expert, they really want to use that word. And we have to accept that as women, right? Yeah. We have to accept those formal titles and kind of just let it sink in and not go, oh, no, you know, don't call me that or whatever. Right. So important. Emily, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, no, I think I think there is it's a tricky world, right? Because we're trying to balance. There's this other idea of like taking language back, right? And saying, well, I'm going to say girl, not because someone's assigned it to me, but because I'm going to say it because I'm going to own it because I'm going to make it into what I want it to be myself. Um, but I think uh, we have to adapt to like where we are right now. And we know that titles, I'm sure that all of us here have been on in different situations where men are maybe called president and you're referred to as something else, even though you're a president of an organization, right? Like, uh, I thought that absolutely happened to me, but, but, and, and it's not just men, right? But as we said earlier, we do it to each other. You know, if we're not honoring each other's titles and doing that, then, then how can we expect men to, right? When we have probably a little bit more awareness of it than they, but little things like, uh, this is a funny little one, but addressing an envelope, you know, I'll often, my husband is a doctor and I'll often get mail that says, Dr. Adam, oh, Dr. and Mrs. Adam P. McCormick. And I think I I'm so proud about it. He is a rock star doctor. He is so good at what he does. He went through a lot of school to do it. I'm so proud of him. I in no way identify as Adam P. McCormick, you know? So I, I, I think that that's, and we got into this little debate. I've had this with other people, even if it's, you know, it's typically Adam and Emily rather than Emily and Adam. And actually there are studies and Susan probably will be able to go into more depth than I will with this, that say that order actually matters, that we tend to assign more importance to the first thing in an order, like a sequential um, order, right? So, and, and historically we've put men at the beginning. So when people say something like, oh, it doesn't matter if I'm saying ladies and gentlemen or gentlemen and ladies or brothers and sisters or sisters and brothers, the reality is it actually does matter. It does matter. And there's value that we assign to it. And there are those take-home notions that we as women um, just, just like we were talking about before that we, um, we understand something about ourselves by the way that we're referred to constantly. Yeah. So yeah, these things absolutely matter. Yeah, absolutely. Emily Bell McCormick is with the policy project. Dr. Susan Madsen with the Utah women and leadership project. Lots of things that bug me out there and I'm glad we're having this conversation. We're going to take a break. One more segment when we come back on the mom show. Back inside the mom show. Dads are welcome, but moms come here to be heard. We're with Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show. Thank you for joining us. Once a month, I do a segment called The State of Women in Utah. I have a researcher and a policy advocate who join me 
For that segment, Dr. Susan Madsen with the Utah Women in Leadership Project and Emily Bell McCormick with the Policy Project. Ladies, thank you for joining me. We've been talking about this conversation around language, how the language we use to describe women and young women and girls matters. Uh, In particular, my least favorite term is working mom because there's no such thing as a working dad. So that's just one example where I'd like the language to shift a little bit. Uh, We were talking in the last segment about the order of names. Emily was saying that she got... It gets male and it always says Adam and Emily and it's never Emily and Adam. Is that a big deal? And that research shows that? Yeah, it, it, it absolutely. Emily's just her gut feeling is it's really aligned with the research. It really does. And in fact, when my husband and I go to events where I'm the main person like invited and he's invited or if we donate money or whatever, I, it, it usually is Susan and Greg. That's, that's what it is, Madsen. But it's so, we're so socialized in seeing the man's name first. The other thing I wanted to bring up quickly was, was I just don't even like anymore the whole Mrs. Susan Madsen or Mrs. Madsen. It's like, just call me. That's not, that's not, I mean, what it does is really highlights gender, but it also highlights marriage or not married um, by the way we use that. And so I just take that off. I've taught my students to take that off. And um, oftentimes, like even when you're writing papers, say the full name first, and then just talk about the last name. You don't have to like, just say Madsen, you know, in writing, those kinds of things. So it, it, everything doesn't have to be gender. It's an expert. That person is an expert, although gender is, is important. And one quick comment about the president one, <laughs> you know, there are some, especially in religious settings, I happen to have six brothers and one of them is, a, well, a couple of them are leaders in, in the religion that we have. And, uh, and they are, one of them particularly, he calls all the women in their positions, President Smith, President, I have been around other men that really start getting it and really know that the titles happen. And so it's so respectful. It throws the women off a little bit, but then they just feel that it makes them feel good. So being careful in whatever setting we are to do the same thing with greeting men and greeting women and addressing men and addressing women using those words, it does matter. I will say that I have had people before say, especially students, men, male students, <laughs> I teach a lot of them, say to me, this is not a big deal. This is not a big deal. What is very clear is that it is subtle things, the way we treat people, the way we show respect, those little things that may just seem like no big deal to you can be a huge deal to other people. We're all raised differently. We've all had experiences that are different. So words matter. And when you tell, sorry, Susan, when you tell a woman that 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 doesn't matter to her, what you're doing is gaslighting her and telling her that the things that are important to her don't matter. And then she starts to think, well, am I crazy? Am I making this an issue and it's not an issue? No, it's an issue if you think it's an issue. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Emily, I'd love to hear from you too. Yeah, no, I was just, um, thinking about, I mean, that's absolutely true. You know, people say, whenever somebody says to me, this isn't a big deal, why are you making it a big deal? And I say, if it's not a big deal, then just change it. 
you know, like if this isn't a big deal, then by all means, just swap that for me if you would. Um, but, you know, as we've thought about this and thinking a little bit about the history of the words and watching how um, things that are related to being feminine or being a woman um, have changed over history, we have a few equivalents that you can really see this difference in. So the word um, bachelor and the word spinster actually have the precise same meaning if you look it up in a dictionary. It just means single, you know, not a not married state, essentially. But when I say those words, and anyone listening knows exactly what those words actually mean, bachelor is typically associated with eligible, spinster is typically associated with undesired, undesirable, right? Um, another one is mistress and master. Those are actually equivalents. They're just male, female equivalents. Um, a master, of course, is someone who's in charge of something or, you know, um, at the top of something or, or like has a great skill, a chef or a master painter, you know, something like this. Um, a mistress, the way that we would define it now, is not someone at the head of something. It's someone having an extramarital relationship typically with someone who is married. So you just, I, I think, you know, this goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. It's not so much that we can solve all these things today, but it would be ludicrous to think that these things do not affect the way that we perceive ourselves, perceive our gender, perceive other people's gender. Um, and, and just having that awareness, we don't have to be perfect, but having the awareness that these things exist and maybe examining for one second what we say, because no one is out there policing what we say. And that's good because we get to create our own language. We create our own worlds through our language. But but to just have that awareness will make such a big difference in the way that we move forward with gender issues. Emily Bell McCormick with The Policy Project, Dr. Susan Madsen with the Utah Women in Leadership Project. I could talk about this all day long, but we only have so long on the radio to talk about it. So thank you, ladies, both for joining me today. And we're going to do our best to be conscious of the language that we use with women and girls and moms. It's so important. Thank you for joining us this week on The Mom Show.